was hard to do a five-minute break with the sun shining like that outside. And I appreciate uh, just what God has given us. Let's open up our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 13. This will, this lesson today will conclude our run through the book of Hebrews, at least uh, as far as my sermons go. And uh, it's been a really great book just to study through personally for myself. To see the focus of this book being, in fact, on the sacrifice of Jesus. In many ways, the letter to the Hebrews is a lot like a gospel. Because the, the point of it so clearly, just as a letter, is the sacrifice of Jesus. And every gospel story, though it begins maybe in some of the gospels with even his birth, and it runs through his ministry, really the great portion of the gospel, maybe one-third of all that's written in the gospels, is really talking about his, uh, his crucifixion and his death, burial, and resurrection. And so the book of Hebrews helps us focus in on that and see what role that this, this death of Jesus plays in our life and, of course, the power that's in his resurrection. And it's so great that we do come together on the first day of each week and celebrate communion and are just reminded, as Jesus asked us, to, to think about his sacrifice and to think about what God has done for us through him. So this, this last chapter actually is uh, full of directives for the Christian life. Do you really care what other people want? Like just, you go, is that what you go around thinking? I wonder what they want. I wonder what this person wants. Uh, I don't think we spend a lot of time just in a mode of, what does that person want? We meet just a new person on the street. What do they want? They, is that the first question we ask? But what about when we really love somebody? When you really love someone, isn't a question that's running in the back of your mind, what can I do to please them? What could I possibly do to make them happy? And I'm so grateful for the Scriptures because the Scriptures not only guide us and tell us and explain to us how God loves us and how amazing that is, but the Scriptures also direct us and tell us how to please God. In this final chapter of Hebrews, there's 14 commands. That's even more than 10. But uh, some of them aren't quite so earth-shaking as one of the Ten Commandments, so to speak. But these are directives given to us by God. And we know that when we do what God asks us to, He is pleased. And so in our relationship with God, this is a vital question. God, thank you for what you've done. And how can I demonstrate my faith and my love for you? And the answer, of course, is to do what He's asked us to. So we start reading here in Hebrews 13. We're going to read sort of in three sections, verses 1 to 8. Just some admonitions about taking care of each other. So Hebrews 13, 1 to 8. Keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some people have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember those in prison as if you were their fellow prisoners, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have, because God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid, what can man do to me? 
Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he says, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. I think sometimes we lose a little energy in this. Uh, how was it in your family growing up? You know, sometimes things are just awesome. You know, it's, it's fun to uh, look at some home movies. One of the things I have in my possession is my father's collection of home movies. And I've been digitalizing them. No one's had anything to actually watch them on for at least a decade already. And you think, okay, you know, we, these little movies that my dad would take, they're four minutes long. And so most of the events that he actually filmed, and there weren't that many, uh, there's just four minutes. And you'd like to think in that four minutes, you would just see this loving family with everyone holding hands, singing Kumbaya, and you know, just all this warm vibration. But you know, there's a couple of those videos where it starts that way, and it's not even four minutes. But in 12 seconds, my brother's on top of me, going like this, you know, something like, 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 like it's amazing how things can deteriorate so quickly. He says here simply, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Let's not give up on this. Let's persevere in this, loving each other as brothers and sisters. In the, the next verse, do not forget to show hospitality. Don't forget, now he, he cites the story of Abraham, who in entertaining strangers ended up having God to dinner with a few angels. That was, that was pretty amazing. But you just never know. I know we all have had a feeling once in a while that we meet somebody that we never see again and then we kind of think, who was that person? Did I just see an angel? Anyone ever have that thought? Now, I'm not saying it was or it wasn't. I'm just saying those thoughts occurred to us, right? We don't know the results, the spiritual world and truth that's up there. We don't know when someone's open, someone's not. We don't know when God is actually trying to do something in our lives directly. Show hospitality. Don't forget. And then he says also, remember those in prison. You know, both of these, I mean, who do we know personally that's in prison for their faith? You know, I, I don't know of anybody personally. I do know of some that have been in prison. And, and most of that has happened in the Middle East. People that I've known personally. But you know, in our country, when's the last time someone was thrown in prison for just being a Christian? Hasn't happened for a while. Though you can believe if that could happen, it'd make us all a little more serious about our Christianity, wouldn't it? If showing up today had the threat of possibly being thrown in jail, hopefully we'd all be here. You know, it would actually make it a little, little different thinking about it and coming. Remember those in prison, but remember those in any hardship. I think about the parable that Jesus told of the sheep and the goats. And he was talking about serving people in prison and taking care of those that were in need. And he said, when you did it to the least of the these my brothers, you did this to me. This truly is a ministry. Verses 4 to 6, he talks about marriage and materialism. We need to just hold marriage up. You're probably aware that uh, gay marriage was now made federally acceptable. In other words, the Supreme Court of the United States has now passed a law in all the other states who don't have yet legal gay marriage. You know, I just gotta say something to you. This is like this affects me in no way whatsoever. 
There was a time about a hundred years ago when actually being adulterous in many countries could get you in trouble with the law. And then adultery became legal. It doesn't change what's right or wrong for Christians. The laws of the land are not a high moral calling for disciples of Jesus Christ. It doesn't change anything. I mean, I'm not going to go up the street and protest. That doesn't make any difference. We need to go out and actually talk about the truth, the, the, the sexual ethic that God has given us. One man, one woman, for their whole lives. Anything else but that is outside of the Bible's direction. We need to honor marriage. Watch out for materialism. And what does he say? He just says, remember, God has said, I'll, I'll be with you. I won't forsake you. God will take care of us. And that must have been reminiscent for the early church to think about the teaching of Jesus. And so many times where he said, just don't worry about these things. God knows that you need them. And finally he said, remember your leaders. And it's actually the same word as remember those in prison. Be mindful of them. Imitate their faith. Now, you know, chapters 11 and 12, he was talking about these heroes of, of the past. But, but, you know, we didn't get to meet those people yet. Are you looking forward to meeting those people from Hebrews 11? They're going to be in heaven. Isn't that awesome? That's, that's how the chapter ends. We will inherit that together with them. It's so exciting. But we need to remember those who share the word of God with us. And imitate their faith. Consider the outcome of their life. You know, if you want to see faith worthy of imitation... Look at the kind of life that it results in. Some claim to have faith, but don't have the life. You want a faith that changes your life. A transforming faith. And this is exactly what the book of Hebrews is talking about. Jesus, and verse 8 is very interesting in this context. It's sort of out of nowhere. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Like, what does that mean, following this verse? I think simply this, God works through people. He, God has always done this. He's worked through people in our lives, in all of our lives. And He's continuing to do that. We can learn from each other. And so, remember what you've been taught. Many of you were taught the truth from someone not in this room. And we need to be grateful for those that have taught us. It was great to hear Mandy's testimony, and it was a great testimony about God. But I must admit, there was a little bit of a testimony about Ricky too, right? A little bit of a commendation for Ricky's life. Who's, who's happy here that Ricky didn't give up in trying to share his faith? Was like, yeah, we're all grateful. Mandy waving it like crazy. You know, Mandy can read this now and go, yeah. I want to imitate his faith. And actually, I want to live out his life with him. And this is one of the advantages of being married, right? I mean, so they're going to be together doing this. But he says simply this, be mindful. Remember how God has worked. Be grateful for that. And, and above all, value the faith. You know, we're all different because of our experiences, because of our talents. Not everything about us is imitatable. But faith is always imitatable. We all have the same capacity from God to have faith. And so let's imitate faith. 
in others. Let's read a little further here. Some further encouragements. It says, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for your, our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by ceremonial foods, which are of no value to those who eat them. We have an altar from which those who minister at the tabernacle have no right to eat. The high priest carries the blood of animals into the most holy place as a sin offering, but the bodies are burned outside the camp. And so Jesus also suffered outside the city gate to make the people holy through his own blood. Let us then go to him outside the camp, bearing the disgrace he bore. For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name, and do not forget to do good and share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. And it says, don't be carried away by strange teachings. He said, instead, focus on God's grace. And that's really what the book of Hebrews is about. The amazing gift of God through Jesus Christ. That Jesus, in fact, is full of truth and grace. And Jesus gives us access to God. The blood of Jesus, which really is his life, the, the offer of his life, cleanses us and brings us to God. What we just celebrated in the communion. So it's amazing because this focus on Jesus, and we'll sort of close talking about that, it's what gives us strength. It's thinking about Jesus that's going to help us make it through the day. It's thinking about Jesus that's going to help us see in the scriptures God's will. Because he is our perfect example. And he is the one that died for our sins. There's a very interesting image here. Said, let's go and join Jesus, basically, outside the camp. There, being crucified is not glorious, is it? And it's interesting because when it came to the Day of Atonement, when the high priest did take the blood into the most holy place, the body that that blood came from wasn't offered in any kind of regular way. It wasn't burnt on the altar. It was actually, once the blood was drained, it was considered profane. It was actually taken outside the city and burned. So the most precious sacrifice in the Jewish system, which was the Day of Atonement, the blood was taken in precious, but the body was considered cursed and taken outside. This is the paradox of the cross. Jesus was cursed for us, and, and just like the body was out there and burned, just in the garbage pile outside of Jerusalem, that's how cursed the flesh of Jesus was in that moment. But the blood was carried into the most holy place. And it's that blood that brings us hope and that blood that cleanses us. But he said, let's go out and join Jesus. You know, the idea of joining Jesus in heaven is pretty encouraging. And that's definitely where we're headed. That's, where we're, that's what we're running for. And in a spiritual sense, Colossians chapter 3, we're already seated with Christ at His right hand. By faith. But I can say, I can say this. I don't feel that every waking second of every day. 
I mean, this body of mine is right here on this earth. And the distractions of this life, even as simple things as being tired and hungry, can take my mind off of the amazing things God has done. We need to focus in on the cross and remember how amazing it is, but also then realize if we're going to follow Jesus, not everyone's going to appreciate it. If we follow Jesus, not everyone's going to honor us for that. In fact, the world, when it really understands the message, either will accept us and become part of us, or will reject us. We are the aroma of Christ, the smell of life to those who are being saved, but the smell of death to those who are rejecting the gospel. That's the truth. Let's go out and join Christ. Let's kind of live up this dichotomy and understand it. We are a joy to those that want to hear this message. But to those who do not, we will not be appreciated. And then he simply said, don't neglect doing good and sharing. These are sacrifices that please God. Let, let us give these sacrifices to God with a good heart. And then finally, obey your leaders and submit to their authority, making your leaders work a joy. Now that is a tough one for me to stand up and preach, being one of your leaders. But it is in the scripture. And it, but it's interesting what it says here, it'll make your life a joy. That this is actually between us and God in our submission to the authorities around us in our lives. This is between us and God. And God is the one who gives us joy. God is the one who gives us real peace. It doesn't come from each other. It comes from God. So then just closing out the letter, the writer here gets kind of personal. We're in verse 18. He said, pray for us. We are sure that we have a clear conscience and desire to live honorably in every way. I particularly urge you to pray so that I may be restored to you soon. May the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing His will. And may He work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers, I urge you to bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written you only a short letter. Now we know that whoever wrote this didn't write any other letters, because there would be some big long letter somewhere. Uh, we don't have that. But he said, uh, I've written you just a short letter. I want you to know that our brother Timothy has been released. If he arrives soon, I will come with him to see you. Greet all your leaders and all God's people. Those from Italy send their greetings. Grace be with you all. That really makes it interesting. It really puts this letter into a context. This was written by a faithful servant of God to God's people. And he's saying, pray for me. You know, I've, I enjoy these prayer nights that we've been doing. And I must tell you simply that it's amazing how fast six hours goes by. It doesn't make any sense how fast the time goes when you're just joined together in prayer with a bunch of faithful brothers and sisters. It was an amazing experience. And we'll be sure to set up another one of those in the fall, in the autumn. But he said here, just pray for me. Pray for each other. It's funny, uh, we just sent out a little text asking and, and memo asking people to send in prayer requests. And so we had about three pages of prayer requests. And it was so awesome. It felt like those people were there. A couple of them were there, but some weren't there. Many weren't there. And we prayed their prayers. 
together. It's so powerful that we pray for each other and we pray together. And then it says, just bear with this word of exhortation. Carry this word with you. Take it to yourself. These are his, his words for us. You know, just looking over the book of Hebrews in closing, it really is an amazing letter. And the theme of it really is fix your eyes on Jesus. That is the theme. If we can put our eyes on Jesus, everything else falls into perspective. Everything else finds its place. Just look over in Hebrews chapter 3. After explaining that Jesus is our high priest and Jesus is the Son of God. And Jesus really is a priest king. He says in 3 verse 1, Therefore, holy brothers who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, the apostle and high priest whom we confess. You know, as we go through this week, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's think about what He has done for us and what that means for everything we do. We go a little further in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now it's interesting, he says that we need to run the race right before this. And as we get tired, as we do when we run, we need to realize there's actually someone out ahead who's already run the race. That's encouraging. In fact, at this moment, in one image, they're sitting at the right hand of God. That's kind of, isn't that a nice image? When you're running the race to know what the end looks like. And there he is. He's finished the race. But actually we know also that Jesus is in us as disciples. He's working and living in us. But consider Him so that we will keep running. Really, I think the the theme of Hebrews is, is summed up so well just over Hebrews 8. And it says here, it talks about the new covenant. And I just want to pick this up in in uh, verse 8 of chapter 8. Halfway through, he says, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant and I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. No longer will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, Know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. You know, this is really the practical application of the message of Jesus. This message of His sacrifice has been put into our lives to make us free, to forgive us our sins, to give us a new focus. But he talks about a new covenant because as you you go through the book of Hebrews, we read 14 commands just in chapter 13 alone. But if you go through the rest of Hebrews, there's like 26 other direct commands. 
things that God wants us to do. Because in a covenant, there's an agreement. We became Christians through obedience to the gospel. We put on Christ in baptism in an act of obedience. Now we know we didn't earn it. And we all know we didn't deserve it. That's why we're so fired up about it. And if we can remember that, it keeps us fired up about it. But doing what God wants us to do, this is part of keeping our covenant of faith with Him. And so as we look through the book of Hebrews, we read conditional statements. Statements that have so that in them. Or the word if in them. And I want us just to finish by thinking about these because these are blessings. And as disciples, these are written to disciples, there's blessings we don't receive. Because we lack the faithfulness to receive them. Now God blesses us as He sees fit. But He gives us His promises so that we can live in faith. And so He says in Hebrews 2.1, We must pay more careful attention so that we do not drift away. Drifting away is a reality. Pay more careful attention. It says in chapter 3 verse 6, We are His house if we hold on to our courage and to our hope. He says in chapter 3, verse 7, If you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. You know, do we hear His voice? See, Moses wrote it down and they heard the teaching of Moses for generations simply through the Word. But we have the testimony of Jesus through many prophets, many apostles in the New Testament. And we are hearing His voice. Don't harden your hearts, is what He says. Chapter 4, verse 11, Let us make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will will fall by following their example of disobedience. You know, sadly, even some people that taught the Word of God to us are no longer faithful. And that's that's pretty sad. And I hope that it's something we think about and pray about. Don't give up on anyone. You know, after, it's been about five years, and I'm not going to say a name, this is going on tape, but it's been about maybe seven years since I've seen somebody that was really quite close to me at one time, and finally we've agreed to meet and got a time and a date set. And there's a purpose, I believe, in this, to reunite this relationship, rekindle it in Christ. Maintaining the friendship without the discipleship isn't going to lead to the result God wants. Let us make every effort so no one will fall. Chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. This is the strangest thing about what's happened with Christians. Jesus has already paid for your free pass. To the throne. Let's use it. He says you got to go there in your hearts. You've got to go there. There's a promise here. Let's approach with confidence so that we can receive mercy and grace. If you're not feeling enough mercy and grace, go to the throne of God. That's where you'll get it. He says uh, in chapter 10, verse 36. We need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what He's promised. 
You know, there's still some blessings we haven't yet received. We haven't passed the final hurdle and, and entered heaven completely. And he's saying here, you'll receive what's promised, just persevere. But there's also some warnings in here too. My righteous one will live by faith, verse 38. If he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. What pleases God is living by faith. What doesn't please God is shrinking back from those opportunities. And then finally, Hebrews 12, 13. Make level paths for your feet so the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. You know, we can become weaker as Christians if we don't keep our focus on God. What is the right path we should be on? The one that has Jesus at the end. That's the right path. The path that is following in His will. That is the path that will make us stronger and bring us closer to Him. The book of Hebrews is saying something very clear with its encouragement and warnings. God has done everything necessary for us to be eternally in His grace. He invites us in. But we must be faithful. We must respond. And in that faithfulness are blessings that we will receive. And so there's blessings today for each one of us. But they're in our faithfulness to Him. We've, we've been studying through a great book. I continue. I, I encourage you. Continue to read it. Think about what the sacrifice of Jesus did. Think about the amazing miracle it is that our sins are forgiven. It's, a, it's a great, the greatest blessing we could receive. But Jesus has done this so that we can be united with Him and live forever with Him. Let's pray together as the worship team comes Our Father and mighty God, we just thank You that You have given us truth. Father, thank You. We thank You for Your Scriptures, which really lay out for us Your will. And Father, I pray that as people who love you, knowing the smallest thing that you would like for us to do, I pray that it inspires us to want to please you in everything that we do. Father, help us to see you as a, as a, as a real person who has a heart for us and wants our hearts to be equally connected. Father, thank you for this covenant of love and grace that you've given us through the blood of Jesus. What a miracle! That you are offering us complete forgiveness. Father, we thank you. And, and Father, I just hope that we can walk away today and remember that this isn't just for us. It's for everyone. This miracle of salvation is a gift for every person. Father, I pray that we can be your ambassadors. I pray that we don't give up encouraging each other. I pray that we'll pray faithfully for each other. And Father, I think about those that we have known that one time were faithful to you and maybe at this moment are not living faithfully to you. Father, I pray that we won't give up. Give up reaching out to them and encouraging them and calling them back into this relationship with you. Father, we know that there's no salvation outside of Jesus Christ. Father, we also know that to live this life, there'll be moments where we feel weary. There'll be moments where we feel burdened. There'll be moments where we feel absolutely weak and helpless. But Father, in these moments, your strength is sufficient. Your grace is all we need. 
And I pray that we will just go to that throne constantly, Father. Help us to learn how to live there all the time. Help us not to be distracted. Help us to keep our focus on you. We think about the man that said to Jesus, help me overcome my unbelief. Father, I pray in the same way that you can help us all overcome those things that distract us and keep us from the most important. And help us, Father, to simply put our trust in you. Father, we thank you for the fellowship we have. Thank you for the friends and relationships in this room. Father, thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for Jesus Christ and the life he lived and then the death that he died for us. But Father, we thank you that this has actually brought him back to your side and that he invites us there to be with you forever. Father, thank you for this invitation. Thank you for the blood that paid for it. Thank you, Father, for the unity that we share in knowing that Jesus is our Savior. Father, we pray all these things in his name. Amen.